Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, Brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, I'm going to just review a little bit of where we are, what we're doing, especially we've got some visitors and anybody new that's online as well. We're walking through the entire book of Revelation this year, and the, the sermons on Sunday will then correspond with the Wednesday evening Bible studies. If any visitors would like to, to tune into that or even come to those Bible studies, by all means, you are welcome to do so. Six o'clock on Wednesdays is when we do that. It's also streamed, so you can go to our YouTube channel and just stream it if you can't make it here in person. Where we are in Revelation is still pretty early. It's chapter 3, and these uh, it starts, Revelation, with these seven letters to the seven churches that we all understand as essentially um, important and meaningful for the people of that church at that time, but also then for this church, all of God's churches, and then for us individually. So because this is the word of our Lord and Savior Jesus, would you please stand? Jesus said, and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write, the words of the Holy One, the true one who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. And I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you. Because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it, and I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from heaven, from my God from out of heaven, and my own new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is the gospel of our Lord. You may be seated. Brothers and sisters in Christ, Philadelphia... Um, not just a city uh, out east on the east coast, but Philadelphia originally was a city in, in this same area as all these other cities, but it was, well, the, the church there at least was not all that powerful, I guess is what the text says. Maybe it doesn't have a lot of resource. Maybe it's not a, a big church. Maybe it doesn't have a lot of influence. Maybe there's not a, a lot of influential people in the church. It's, it's kind of hard to say, But Jesus leads with this description of who he is as sort of a counterpoint to that reality that this church isn't all that really significant. He says that he is the key of David. It's an interesting idea. We're, we're going to talk about it in just a second, but first I have to tell you, it's, it's really similar to this idea of having the keys to the kingdom is, is sort of what we're talking about. So that's, that's actually the first bullet point. The keys to the kingdom, meaning is all of this authority and all of this power, and that phrase, keys to the kingdom, actually reaches back pretty far. This idea of, of the key of David reaches way back into the book of Isaiah, which we'll get to in just a second. But, but I want to tell you that you all know already how important it is to have the right person have the keys to your kingdom. And if you don't, <laughs> let me share with you uh, a little tidbit of my history. When I was in college and in seminary, 
one of the jobs that I took on on campus was as a security guard. And as a security guard, they gave me a master key. <laughs> I had a key to every single door on campus. And they made that mistake twice, undergrad and seminary. I couldn't believe it. I was like, I applied at the seminary, like, hopefully they don't talk much to the colleges around here. And yeah, I, I got it. I got a key to the kingdom. I could go anywhere I wanted. Does that make you feel nervous, right, for our, for our institutions of higher learning? Because it should. Um, I did. I, I kind of, uh, I maybe abused it once or twice here or there. I can tell you the roof of both the seminary and undergrad um, have been well-traveled. I know every nook and cranny. It's, it was a lot of fun. But the keys to the kingdom that, that is, is being talked about in our text this morning with Jesus refers to something slightly different. It does bring our mind back to Revelation chapter 1, 17 and 18, which we got on the screen here. Um, this is when I saw him, this is John, he saw Jesus, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me saying, fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore and I have the keys of death and Hades. So certainly it's referring some to the keys of death and Hades, meaning because Jesus was raised from the dead, now he has authority over life and death. He has the authority to raise us from the dead. That's, that's one thing that it means, but it actually presses even further back than that. It goes all the way back to Isaiah in the time of King Hezekiah. And the, the text here on the screen is, is the word of the Lord to the, the um, head steward of Hezekiah's kingdom. And he says to him, I will place on his shoulder the key of the house of David. Right there from our text this morning. The key of the house of David. He shall open and none shall shut, and he shall shut and none shall open. Verbatim from our text this morning. He says, I will fasten him like a peg in a secure place. He will become a throne of honor to his father's house. And they will hang on him the whole honor of his father's house, the offspring, and issue every small vessel from the cups to all the flagons. And that day declares the Lord of hosts, the peg that was fastened in a secure place will give way. And it will be cut down and fall. And the load that was on it will be cut off for the Lord has spoken. This this key of David is to say that the steward of Hezekiah had all of the authority in all of the kingdom that the king had, that King David had. This is a secular authority. This is a real world authority that this steward had been given. And he had all of the honor of his father's house, of, of King David's house. So Jesus has this authority. Like I said in the baptism, Jesus says to his disciples, all of this authority has been given to me. And then he says in Revelation, it's like back when, when the Lord gave all of this authority to Hezekiah's head steward. I have all of this authority. And that is so much more significant than I think you mean. We go, yeah, Jesus has power. Jesus has authority. Right, but, but the Lord already had power and authority. God the Father had power and authority before he gives it all to Jesus and, and bestows on him all of it and the right that comes with it and all, everything, the power that comes with that. The Lord already had all of this, so why is it significant that Jesus has it? It's because he's man. 
It's because he's human. And, and not just any human. Like, well, well, why doesn't God just give this to anyone? What if God gave it to me? Well, I'd be like the seminary giving me a master key. It's a bad idea, right? It's given to Jesus because he's not only man, but as God lived a perfect life. Then even beyond that, he goes beyond that by offering himself as a sacrifice for all of mankind. As he is crucified and killed, at his, his own allowance. He, he allows this to happen to him. As all of this happens and then buried and raised from the dead, the Lord then gives him all of this power and authority. We're going to hear in, in a couple of weeks how he's then lifted up and given all of the honor of, of the Father in heaven. And it's important that he is still man because he is on behalf of mankind advocating for us. And on behalf of mankind, still acting for us through the church. That is the point he's making to the church in Philadelphia. He's saying, I'm not just some God who is out there, some, some ethereal, spiritual being who doesn't know and doesn't understand. He is like us in his flesh. He was like us in his weakness and his frailty. He was like us who were wounded and hurt and, and spiritually, emotionally, mentally taxed. He was all of those things. And he is who advocates for us. I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say who are, who are secular or non-believers, what, God, what right does God have in my life? And as wrong thinking as that is, I can understand the logic. Some God out there somewhere just doing whatever he pleases and whatever he wills. Some, something completely unlike me just making decisions in my life and leading me places. Some, some weird supreme being. That's, that's a terrible idea. Well, even though it's wrong thinking, even though God knows all and experiences all, we don't believe that as Christians. What we believe is that we have one who is like us on earth. In, in all of the ways we ought to be, in none of the ways that we are, in sin and, and brokenness and frailty, but we have one who is like us who has this authority. We have one who is like us who knows this world, and, and, and we can have confidence in this. We, we can trust the Lord Jesus knows what he's doing when it comes to his church with his people on earth. He's been here. He understands, and he knows and so what he's saying to the church in Philadelphia is, is a couple of things. One, all of that authority, but another one is, trust me, I know what you're going through, and I know what you think, but I have something more to tell you. What he has more to tell them is about this open and shut case. <laughs> the open and shut case is that there is an opportunity. He says to them, there's a door that has been opened. And we don't know what this opportunity is, but it's clearly connected to the mission of the church somehow. And, and this church feels as though they have little power, little authority, but there is this opportunity to do some mission, to, to do some work of the church. And, and maybe they're, they're scared or they're hesitant or they think, listen, that's not something that we can do. That's not something that we can accomplish. And the Lord is saying, I opened that door. And I'm sure the church is thinking at some point, yeah, but come on. God, you open the door. And Jesus goes, wait, 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 remember who I am. He says, I know how the world works. I was there. 
I was among you. Jesus says, if I'm opening the door, I am telling you, this is your opportunity. And, and the church, and I think us as individuals, oftentimes see an opportunity and we say, yeah, but Lord, I couldn't ever do that. We feel like we have little power, little resource, little whatever it might be. And the Lord says, right, I have the power and authority. And he gives it to us. And he works through us to accomplish the, the ministry and mission, whatever doors of opportunity that have been opened. Despite how, how far out they seem and, and impossible they might seem, the Lord, if he opens the door, he is promising to us that he then will, in us and through us, give to us what is required to accomplish whatever this opportunity is. It's the, the, the frustrating part of faith is that he often doesn't give it to you until you're stepping into it, right? You, you expect, well, once I feel strong enough, once I feel confident enough, once I've read scriptures enough, once I've become more spiritually disciplined, once I'm a little bit more mature in the faith, maybe once I'm older, then I will be ready to take this opportunity, Maybe when our church is bigger, we can do some amazing things. Maybe when our church grows more, we can, we can step out in faith and, and do mission and ministry. And if any church has dispelled that rumor, it's this congregation, who even when we were really small, were sending missionaries to Africa. Even when we were, were young and new, we had a ministry to young people right here in our building, little kids coming in for preschool, and, and their parents who have grown up with us, who we have influenced and encouraged over decades, have grown in the faith and become strong and mature in the faith. We have made lifelong, eternal kingdom impacts on all kinds of, of little kids who are now much bigger kids, on parents, it is, it is such a blessing for our congregation to, though we were little and small and of little power, to, to look at an opportunity and then step through. It's your invitation as well. If you feel like you just don't have it, you're new to this thing called faith, you don't know how you can, you can contribute to a congregation or a ministry and a mission, I promise you, if the opportunity is opened up, it is the Lord alone who does it. There's no mission and ministry opportunity that ever happens without God himself opening the door for us to step through. There's, there's nothing in this world as far as an opportunity to reflect the glory of God that doesn't come from Jesus himself. He's telling the church in Philadelphia, and he's telling you, if you have an opportunity to share the faith and to witness the faith to others, it's because Jesus has made that opportunity happen. And you do have what is required. I know you do. It's, it's based not on your skill set, not on <clears throat> your, your ability to speak or, or your resources or how much money you have in the bank or anything. It's not based on any of that. It's based on the fact that because you're baptized, the Spirit of God lives in you. 
The Spirit of God lives in you. In baptism, the Holy Spirit takes hold of us and makes for himself a home in our heart. He cleanses us from all unrighteousness, abides in us, and and we don't rely on what we can do. We don't rely on our talents. We don't rely on our abilities. We rely on God who has promised. When that door opens, as we step through, he delivers. Is it terrifying? Yes, (laughs) And if it wasn't, it wouldn't be faith. If you knew how it was going to go every single time you took a leap of faith, then you didn't take a leap of faith. You took a leap of certainty, which is more like a step that is concrete in a natural direction. If you don't know what it's going to be like with this opportunity, and and it might be work, it might be family, who knows what it is. If If you don't have a little bit of fear and trepidation in your heart, then it's not faith. If you're not uncertain how this is going to work out to to try and reconcile with a brother and sister in Christ and and you're nervous and and you go and talk to that person and you're shaking a little bit, are they going to yell at me? Am I going to yell at them? I'm going to lose my temper. If you're not a little bit nervous about that, then it doesn't require faith. If, If you're not concerned about the next phase in your life, if God will be there for you, then it's not faith that will lead you into it. You have to be a little bit uncertain to have the certainty of faith that God will be there for me because you need him to be. It's a requirement. See, faith gives a certainty, but it doesn't give a certainty that everything is going to go great. Faith gives us a certainty, but it isn't a certainty that things will work out the way we plan them or or want them to or decide they should be. That's not how faith works. Faith starts with great uncertainty, a, a lack of understanding, a lack of clear vision, and then as the door opens up, we see this then is the direction God is leading us. As a a side note, but very related, there's a huge door of opportunity opening for living faith. Some really exciting things happened, and I'm just waiting on the last thing. So watch for, be on the realm and, and be prepared, because we got final numbers in, and let me just say a hallelujah. Everything with the city of Clive is complete, done, and approved. Praise the Lord Jesus. <laughs> Um, the Eighth Commandment says I can't speak ill of anybody, so I won't. But let me say that it's been a challenge, right? And the, the budget that was prepared and the loan that we had, had worked up years ago for this building project didn't account for inflation and, and uh, construction increase. And how are we going to make this work? And the build team diligently worked and pursued and went after it. We sat down yesterday and we looked at the numbers and we looked at everything and we went, it's going to work. Is it scary? Yeah. (laughs) Was it terrifying to vote on on borrowing this money and, and making this plan? Absolutely. Do we see an opportunity? Are you kidding? A year-round program where we change the lives of little ones, where these, these little kids, and, and all of the data, all of the science will support these little kids who come to our church, who, who come to our campus, the impact on those kids is tremendous. The impact on little ones of that age group is absolutely tremendous. It, it sets for the rest of their lives struggles or, 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 or opportunities 
That the feeling of being loved and secure when you're four years old and when you're taught that you are loved and you are secure when you are young, you are more able to be loved and feel secure when you're older. I make no secret of it. I, I have been in therapy and counseling for a long time. And it's not because I wasn't loved and encouraged when I was a kid. I have to make sure and say that because my parents are going to be at the next service, right? <laughs> so, no, it's, that, that wasn't the, the, the problem at all. Because I was loved and secure and knew Jesus as a child, I am in a place, in a position where I have the resources, where I have what, it, what I need by the power of the Holy Spirit to do work to make myself better. It's such a gift for me that I had what I had when I was three, four, five years old. So that today I can, I can stand in front of you and preach and tell you how much I have been loved by Jesus my entire life, how much I love him. Don't we want to give that to these? And we have this opportunity. It's right there in front of us. We've thought this whole time, you know, will it be possible? We've got that part. The school is ready. The early learning center is ready to go. Now the church has opportunity too. We've all made pledges. And we've all said this is, this is what we believe to invest, not just there, but also in our own campus, in our own ministry and mission that will be blessed as, as that grows and expands. What about the church side of the budget? Well, <laughs> you feeling scared and nervous about those pledges you made? Okay, that's good. I'm glad. Delivering them will require faith. If you're scared, if you're worried about it, good. God is opening up a door in front of us. And, and this is easy to see in our congregation, but in your life personally, what is that door that is opening up? Is it, is it with a child or a grandchild, an opportunity to, to make sure they know that they are secure and loved in Jesus? Is it an opportunity for you to, to bless the next generation, the generation coming up? Is it an opportunity to bless your parents as they age? What is the opportunity God is giving to you, the door that is, is coming open, and, and all you need to do to identify it is see where you're a little nervous and a little scared to invest, to, to put down roots, to become part of a community, to solidify yourself. And that opportunity, I'm telling you, will bless you, but will bless countless others. When you are willing to take that step and go through that door that Jesus opens for you, it's not just about you being blessed. It's about seeing God's kingdom expand all around you. Encourage you just as Jesus encouraged the people in Philadelphia. I encourage you just as He did. Don't worry if you don't feel equipped or ready for. Don't worry if it feels too big for you. Don't worry if you're feeling like you don't know what you're doing or how this is going to work out. It's okay. The door is open. Step through. God is calling you through. And he is saying to those who conquer, for those who remain in the faith, these opportunities will continue to happen and he will write on you his name. And we'll see later in Revelation what this is, is the Lord looking down at all of the people and saying, I can tell these are my kids because my name is on them. I can tell that these belong to me because my name is right there. And, and he will see all of those opportunities, great and small, that Jesus opened up in front of you that you took. And he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. 
Well done. When you saw that opportunity to say a kind word, to encourage somebody, to love somebody, or to share the love of Jesus, well done. You might say, that was a small thing. All I did was see that my coworker was bummed out. And he said, yeah, but then you said something to them. All I did was, was reconcile with someone. And yes, but you extended the forgiveness of God to them. You witnessed Jesus to them. And they know Jesus and have my name on him through the work that the Spirit did in you. Well done, good and faithful servant. There are opportunities in front of this congregation, but there's opportunities in your life. I'm inviting you the same way Jesus does. He opened the door. He has the power and authority to make it happen. Just walk through. Amen. May the peace which surpasses human understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Would you please stand to pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for the gift of opportunity that you've given to us, not for worldly things, not for stuff, not for success or, or money, but rather the opportunity to take good things and to walk through them, to take the opportunities to share with others, not just our resources and good things, but the love of Christ that you have given to us. And I pray those opportunities would open for this church, all churches around the world, and also for all who are gathered here under this roof in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Receive the blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give to you his peace. Amen.